Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. everyone to Live Dharma Sunday for May 21st, 2017. Koyo Kubosa here. So very, very glad you joined us. A very auspicious morning at Bright Dawn Center here. It's our lay minister induction weekend. Our program is at almost two years. Every Sunday, the class meets in a small group conference call and they hand in their written reports and assign readings and they discuss them and so forth and they go through the curriculum and then and they call from all parts of the country sometimes from the world um, and then when they finish the program uh, they come in person for the, and they meet for the first time here at Bright Dawn We call it an induction ceremony. We have a training workshop on Saturday and then the induction ceremony uh, where they are inducted officially as the Bright Dawn Lane Ministers. And they're all here this weekend. Yesterday was a training session. Today will be the induction ceremony at 10 a.m. local time, followed by luncheon. And so they're having breakfast right now, 8 o'clock here in California. Uh, the atmosphere is a buzz, and uh, it's a very special time to match faces with the uh, match voices with the face. Culmination of you know, their studies. Commencement is also a beginning. I mean, to commence means the beginning, but that's a beautiful word. It's graduation time, and yet it's also beginning time. Kind of a sense, sense of accomplishment and a, a sense of excitement for the future. Uh, it's a tremendous time, and uh, in the terms of our Bright Dawn Play Ministry program, um, well, it's a very gratifying, you know, there's no tuition, there's, there's a lot of heavy sweat equity, 
and uh, they they really bond as a maybe the group is like six people, four to six people, and uh, so they get become very close and support each other. It's a it's a tremendous thing, and I have to feel grateful to myself because it's through my interactions with them throughout the program that I deepen my own spiritual growth in ways that I would have never uh, experienced without participating with these young, creative, sincere seekers. Uh, Tremendous uh, for me. And let me segue into our guest to give us a Dharma glimpse today. I see from the uh, from the switchboard that um, uh, he is uh, standing by, and uh, uh, he was a lay minister in the LM8 group. We call it LM for lay ministry, and uh, last year was the eighth group to go through. Any At any given time, there's two groups that are going on because uh, it's a two-year program and they start every every autumn in uh, LM9's induction and we have LM10 going on that they're halfway through. And uh, so LM8 uh, last year's. And this is Clarence Genio. They get a Dharma name. Uh, uh, and he lives in Florida as part of the LM8 group. So... Good morning, Clarence Sensei. You're on. Well, good morning. I hope everybody can can hear me okay. And uh, good morning, Koyo Sensei. And good good morning to everyone out there uh, listening. Thank you for tuning in to Live Dharma Sunday. And as Koyo Sensei said, this is a induction weekend for LM9. So before I even start off, I just want to say congratulations to all of you in LM9. I know it's kind of hard to believe it's been an entire year since I was out there for my induction with LM8. Um, it's, it was just a wonderful time that I had able to meet my fellow classmates and Kikoboses and their family. And it was just a, a very time of learning and, 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 and just uh, a great celebration, meeting new friends, meeting uh, other lay ministers who were able to make the trip out. And it was just a wonderful time. I know you guys in LM9 are thoroughly enjoying it. If it's even remotely like what I experienced last year, it's just an absolutely wonderful time that you're going to cherish for the rest of your lives. One of the great things about the LM program is is not just learning all the you know the the facts and ideas behind Buddhist teaching and and doctrine and you know all the all the all the book learning so to speak is. The program is really great at teaching you how to look at all these things, these philosophical things, and apply it to your direct experience of your day-to-day life. And that's something I wanted to talk about this morning, something that I've been dealing with for, for a little while that, um, that uh, my studies in the LM program and in Buddhism in general have helped me learn how to cope with and hoping me talking about this will uh, encourage others or help others when they go through difficult times in life. Because 
is six weeks or six months ago this week I lost my job and in six months I haven't uh, found another one and I've noticed lots of people who've uh, periods of prolonged unemployment there's usually a lot of doubt and depression and all kinds of negative things that come up it hasn't really affected me very much because of all the things I learned with the uh, LM program and how to take the, the teachings of Buddhism and apply it to my everyday life to, in this case, reduce her, you know, amount of personal suffering I experience. Now, this is kind of, this is, well, not kind of, it is the longest period of time I have been out of a job in the last 30 years. And uh, it caused me to, to think about some things. We tend to derive a good bit of our sense of self and our sense of self-importance in the world from what we do for work, especially for us men. You know, you know groups of you know, men meet each other, have a handshake, and almost the first thing that comes out of their mouths is, so what do you do for a living? As if our identity and our who we are is tied to what we do for employment. I've, uh, And that can be double-edged sword. And granted, if you have the quote-unquote professional career, like a doctor, engineer, lawyer, you know, some kind of white-collar business profession or something that our culture considers high status, like you can lead you to feeling good about yourself. And if you have a job that's on the lower end of our cultural status profession, something like a you know construction laborer or working in a fast food industry or a janitor, that can cause someone to feel kind of bad about themselves. One of the things that the Dharma taught me is that I am not my job. I am not what I do for a living. I mean, I remember the days when someone with, you know, the proverbial lower status job, and I look people who had the, what I would consider good jobs with a kind of a sense of envy. Remember, that time feeling if I had one of those jobs, my life would just be so much better. I would finally be somebody and all my other problems would just go away. So in my late 20s, I decided to go back to college and I graduated in my early 30s. And by my mid-30s, I finally had the beginnings of the, uh, you know, the, the, the white-collar professional career that I just thought was going to make all my problems, solve all my problems and make me somebody. And I uh, had a little bit of good success in the beginnings, but over the last five years, I've been through essentially three layoffs. <laughs> um, you know, all my, you know, kind of arrogance about having the the good jobs kind of went away. And I you know, realized something, that uh, I was no better off than I was with the great job than I was with the Less great <laughs> I was still the same person. I still had the same problems, and I still had the same uh, issues and things I didn't deal with well. And you know, nothing, nothing went away, other than the fact that having an office and fancy business cards and a bigger paycheck, nothing had changed. So one of the first things I had to realize, again, I'm not my job. All the things I have been through in my my working life spanning from, you know, higher status, great jobs, and lower status jobs. has been a great teaching in impermanence, one of the core 
tenets of the Buddhist way of looking at things. Simply put, impermanence says that everything is in a constant state of flux, and the uh, circumstances you find yourself in aren't permanent. And that goes for the bad ones as well as the good ones. But nothing at all in this world is in a fixed, permanent state. Now, it's not really as pessimistic as it sounds in the first first glance. In fact, when I came to really realize that, and a lot of, a lot of I found the Buddhist teachings are go for they, they 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 put things directly in front of you. I don't know if there's anyone out there in the world who would really you know who would say that yes, everything changes. But that's just kind of a flippant answer. Just you know, Buddhism because it puts certain things in front of you and causes you to really, really deeply think about them. And the idea of impermanence is a very liberating idea because we very frequently look to things that are outside of ourselves to try and verify our sense of self-worth, having the, uh, the quote-unquote right job or the right relationship for holding on to the things that we own that we really enjoy and just don't want to give up. There uh, seems to be a tendency in us human beings that we want to believe that we are somehow owed whatever our idea, I, our idea of a perfect world is. So when our lives and the world around us doesn't match up to the vision in our head of what we think should be, we get angry, bitter, or depressed. If your sense of self is tied to your working life, that can cause all kinds of problems. If you're living in society's somewhat artificial definition of success, you can become arrogant and look down on others. If you don't have that high-status job, you could feel unworthy, and both are emotionally toxic. When your sense of permanent happiness rests on very impermanent and changing things, it's a recipe for constant dissatisfaction and emotional turmoil. Another thing that my extended unemployment has reinforced to me is just how important gratitude is to our emotional well-being and our emotional health. It's very easy to be grateful when times are good. When things are plugging right along close to how we think we want them to be, we take them for granted. We begin to think we're simply getting the good life that the universe owes us. But when times are rough, we fixate on the bad things like a spotlight you know what a spotlight is. It's a tightly focused beam that illuminates on a very specific thing. You see what you're aiming the light at, but you miss seeing everything else around it. We get so caught up with what we're focused on, we ne- neglect to appreciate all the things that we need to be grateful for. Now, I know in my life I've been extraordinarily blessed to have a large number of very supportive, close family and friends, probably more so than what's typical for people. And that's something I'm incredibly grateful for. I can choose to only focus on the things that are tough right now, or I can make the conscious choice to think about all the things that are right. I've uh, seen how the difficulties like extended unemployment or other bad life situations can cause terrible grief and bitterness and despair in people. And a few years ago, that was kind of my default setting. And yeah, to be honest, I still have my moments with that. But since I began my, my Buddhist path many years ago, those moments are fewer and fewer. And when I do start to wallow in a bit of self-pity, it doesn't last as long, nearly as long as it used to. It's because through the Dharma, I've become less entrapped in looking into outside circumstances to feed my sense of self. 
And I make a conscious effort to remain grateful for even the littlest things of life. And that makes an amazing difference. So when you give up on the idea of trying to force the world into what you think it should be, sometimes even mistakenly so, it's very freeing to give that up. It doesn't mean you stop trying to make your life or the world around you better, but it lessens the emotional turmoil that causes you to suffer. Turmoil that very frequently spills out in how you deal with other people, which can turn cause suffering from then and so on and so on, like a great vicious cycle. So you are not your job. I am not my job, no matter how good a job or bad a job that is. You're not how much money you have or how much you don't have. You're not your good health or your bad health. You are not your, your house, your car, your possessions, or how much success you have in any number of pursuits or the lack of success. Any of those things can change at any time. They're not permanent. To, to depend on them for your happiness is setting yourself up for suffering. To identify yourself with the lack of them is the setting yourself up for suffering. Times in my life I've had very little and felt worthless because of it, and I've had success and felt self-important because of it. Both of those ways of thinking are traps that I've found. I've learned to appreciate the good times and enjoy them, but not count on them being forever. I've learned to appreciate the hard times because that's how I can be grateful for what they have to teach me to become a better person. Good times come and they go. Sometimes they last for a while. Sometimes they're brief. So do the bad times. But I've given up pegging my sense of self-identity on either of those, and I suffer a lot less because of it. So, again, congratulations to everyone in LM9. I'm sure you're having a wonderful time in your induction coming up here probably in a few short hours. I wish you would be the best of luck with your future endeavors and always remember that the, you're being inducted, but as I've found over the last year, it's certainly not an ending by any means. It's very much a beginning. And there's still so, so much more I still have to learn and still have to grow. So I wish you the best of luck with the future. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Very tremendous, relevant Dharma glimpse. You know, Dharma glimpse means, but it has to be alive. It has to always be a personal, reflect the personal experience of the speaker. Um, otherwise, it's just to talk about the Dharma. Scholarly, in other words, only. There's nothing wrong with, you know, scholarliness has its own value. But we're talking about spiritual growth. Not somebody else's spiritual growth, one's own. Things are easy to say, but it's a different story, isn't it, when it's you, your life, your experience. Impermanence can roll off our tongue. But when it's, as one of the famous uh, Isa, famous uh, Buddhist priest of long ago, uh, um, you know, he's a Buddhist priest, so he knows the teachings. And he, you know, life always intrudes. 
real, real life. We can't use the word real, but real life intrudes. Uh, and he lost the infant daughter. And he wrote a poem. He said, uh, the world of do is the world of do. And yet, and yet. A very uh, world of do, D-E-W, refers to the world of impermanence because every morning there's dew on the grass but when the sun comes up and heats up the dew evaporates it's gone that's the phenomenal world that's that's impermanence constant change so he knows this but he's a human being and that's why and yet and yet um, I mean, uh, so we have uh, our own self-identity status. There, and there's a teaching here about uh, right livelihood, too. If you're fortunate enough to, no, you could be anything. Might be a good one. Uh, there was a story I remember. My, it's in one of my father's books about uh, bricklayers. It says, uh, "You think bricklaying is bricklaying, you know? But there's three kinds of workers." And so in the story, he interviews one bricklayer, and he says, "Oh, you know, what are you doing? What are you doing?" I says, "Well, I'm making a living." my job. Okay. He's fine with it. He's not that's another one. What are you doing? He says, Well I'm a bricklayer. I'm an I'm a craftsman. I'm a I'm an artist. I do take great pride in my work. A little bit different attitude about it. And then he came to the third one whose eyes were shining as he was working. He says, What are you doing? He says, I'm building a temple. I mean, if you're lucky enough to have that kind of right livelihood, and sometimes it's not a matter of finding the right job. It's being the right kind of, having the right kind of attitude about it. It doesn't matter whether you're washing windows, somebody's on a skyscraper, you know, on a scaffold washing windows and whistling and says, Man, I just feel so good. I'm making all these glasses clean. Uh, inner attitude, unshaken by external. You know, it's sort of like a, you got a gate, a gate into your mind or spirit or heart, and be careful about letting in all kind of foreign influences. Well, we say foreign gate. Uh, you know, that's, this is from a story in the literature, but uh, by foreign we mean external, it's not your own. And so to make the teachings your own, that's what it's all about. And to conclude, every morning we have Dala Dharma. Uh, our center has been doing this for 20, 30 years now, and it's just a very short one to three minute talk. Uh, bang. 
given by my father and I. That's changed, they're changed every morning. And this morning I put one on called uh, Toksan's Candle. And because what we are just, the topic I've just been talking about does not just apply to material, what kind of job you have for a living, but it's also your self-identity and so forth in terms of spirituality context. Teachings are out there and, you know, they're great teachings, but they're not yours. You read about them and heard talk about them. Um, you don't own them. In a sense, they own you. Uh, they're fragile. They're, you know, it's not you. It's an abstract teaching in your head. Now, where some storms of life and crisis comes, they may not help you at all. They weren't in your bones. So I thought that was a very relevant message for the Prime Minister inductees. Hey, they accomplished a lot. They learned a lot about the Dharma. But if you want to hear this nice classic Buddhist story in the literature about Toksan's candle, you could call up this style of Dharma number and hear Reverend Gyome Kubose talk about this. And so in addition to the, the teaching itself, you hear his physical voice. You know, he's been gone for 17 years now, but every once in a while, I call up the number and hear my father's voice. So especially for people who knew him, to hear his voice, much different experience than reading the words on paper. But even those who didn't know him in person, you hear the voice, you see the presence, you see, you know. Uh, so I recommend that, okay? calling dial a dharma. And now with cell phones, got good calling plans, you don't, it doesn't matter if it's long distance number, okay. 847-386-8836. And if, if you're... Uh, on our mailing list for our newsletter, that number is always listed there in our newsletter. Uh, that's all for today's broadcast. Until next time, keep going, and you have a beautiful day. Thank you. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.